Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, the podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Dragon Reborn, please proceed with caution. Matt's scream grew frantic. The ruby shone furiously, flashing blood red. The Aes Sedai thrust the dagger into the box and snapped the lid down, letting out a loud sigh as it clicked shut. A filthy thing, she said. As soon as the dagger was hidden, Matt's shriek cut off, and he collapsed as if muscle and bone had turned to water. An instant later, the glow surrounding Aes Sedai and table winked out. Done, the Amerlin said hoarsely, as if she had been the one screaming. It is done. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 18 through 23 of The Dragon Reborn. Note. I have not read past chapter 23, and Will is going to do his best not to bring anything from the rest of The Dragon Reborn or the next 11 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 23, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. Chapter summaries for this episode, as always, from dragonmount.com. A circle of Aes Sedai, led by Swan Sanchez, use a Sa Angriol to break Matt's link to the Shadar Logoth dagger. Matt speaks the old tongue during the healing. Matt wakes from a dream of leading men in Manetherin, then eats a meal fit for four men. Matt is visited by Selene, who tries to tempt him with promises of glory. Swan Sanchez informs Matt that he is linked to the Horn of Valir. Varen tells Egwene of Telaranriad and gives her the dream Terangrial, as well as a list of Black Aja sisters who left with Leandrin. Egwene is summoned for her accepted test. Inside the first arch, Egwene finds herself married to Rand, who is suffering the effects of uncontrolled channeling. Through the second arch, Rand asks Egwene to kill him before he is turned to the shadow. Shiriam admits that 13 dreadlords using 13 Murdral can turn a person who channels. Through the third arch, Egwene as Amarlin refuses to gentle Rand, but is unable to, sa- to save him. Egwene is raised to accepted amid a fuss over the arch Turangriel misbehaving. Alana blames herself and asks for a penance. Egwene asks Alana what it means to be Green Aja, and is sent to bed. Alright, accepted test, round two. Also, no more dagger sickness, Matt. No more dagger sickness, Matt. That's the highlight. <laughs> that is the highlight, because the accepted test sure as hell isn't a highlight. No, no it is not. Egwene has a bad time. Everybody has a bad time in the accepted test. There's a reason that it's kind of a rule that nobody is asked to speak about their accepted test ever. Right. And people typically don't volunteer that information. Right. Egwene was just spewing it all over the place. but Like Nynaeve, who you would think would be a little bit more inclined to kind of spill the secrets of the Aes and I, still is like, no, I'm not talking about it. I think she talks a little bit about the before stuff, but she doesn't talk about what she experiences during the arches. Because it is very personal. And I think that the only reason that... Egwene really says anything is because it's about Rand. Yeah. All three of her accepted visions or whatever they are. Right. We can talk a little bit about what we think that the accepted test actually is based on we do get... more information that we get about yeah. the arches. But all of them are about Rand and his yeah. channeling. And she desperately wants to figure out, like, what is this telling? Right. And can I use any of this information to help him? Yeah. yeah. No, that's exactly it. 
She doesn't have a good time. We'll get to that because I feel like there's a lot of stuff we can talk about there, especially with the dream turing. Yeah. Uh, but first, let's talk about Matrim Coffin. Yeah, I was going to say, let's talk about his healing, which is in Egwene's perspective, but then we can yeah. also just talk about Matt. Yeah, because I feel like a, a healing in Matt's perspective wouldn't be very... A healing in the Amaralyn's perspective might be very interesting. Yes. Because she knows what she's doing with the power, and Egwene's just like, ooh, pretty colors. Yeah. She's very drawn to the power, and yeah. her and Nynaeve and Elaine all have a time trying not to join in on that power circle, basically. Yeah. It's it's interesting, because they're, they're using a circle, which we don't know too much about yet, but... We know a little bit more about it because of the show. Yes, we've seen two circles in the show. Yeah, and it just kind of adds all of their powers together. Right. Uh, you wrote down 10 I said I. It's actually 13, which is an important number in this series. I thought there was only 10 in that room. There was eight. There was four on one side, four on another, one at the base, or one at the foot, and one at the head. Oh, ten. I thought it was a full circle. No, there was 10. Which... 13 is a full circle. 13 is the most eye-to-eye that can link together. Okay. That's kind of why I thought it was a full circle, because I kind of thought they would need... Uh, you know, you're saying it, and I, I think you're I right. Counted. It's 10. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just was reading into it. Um, but anyway, it's 10 full eye-to-eye, and not weak ones either. No, Varen, Lyanna, Alana... Sherium, the Amerlin, and then yeah. the rest aren't really mentioned. And then they're using a fucking sighing Grial. Yeah. And they're all exhausted afterwards, partially, I think, from just handling that much of the power. And probably from the Shatter Logoth dagger as well, because of what we've seen in the show with when Moraine healed Matt. She just does it single-handedly. She just does it single-handedly. Which, you know, like, that's that's a fine switch. Well, also, though, she took on part of the Shagar, Shadar Logoth yeah. evilness. Yeah. And she said that, I don't know that what I did is going to be permanent. Mm, yeah, that's true. So, I so don't think maybe it was we're going to get some of this in... I, we might get some of this in season two. Okay. Right now, we're not a show, we're not a show podcast. We right now, not. we're a book podcast. <laughs> um, Matt gets to speaking in tongues. He, he would does. make a really good Christian preacher. <laughs> He's speaking in tongues, specifically the old tongue. He says quite a few things. He says, for the honor of the Red Eagle, for the Red Eagle. And then later, I am a free man, I die. I am no I die meat. Yep, which is very specific. Yeah, that's <laughs> a weird sentence. And so here we're, I, I'm kind of wondering, like, on, uh, obviously, you know, Karayan Kaldazar on Kaldazar, for the honor of the Red Eagle, for the Red Eagle, is something from the old blood. Is the second thing just Matt able to speak the old tongue? It might be, I think, because Egoine is able to translate the first one. She knew what it meant. She knew what it meant. She was able to... It's not the first time he said it. But she was able to actually translate it. We didn't wait to get the Amarillin to translate that right. one. The Amarillin is the one who translated the second one because Egwene was able to realize, well, he said eyes to die. So, like, what the fuck was he saying? Right. And then Swan the wasn't kind of going to... She was amused and she's kind of like, I don't really want to answer. And then Egwene's like, really? Hmm. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah. It's it's interesting. He's he's talking in tongues, and you know, before this, he did a little bit of the old tongue stuff in the Dragon Reborn, but he not the Dragon Reborn in the Eye, Eye of the, the World, World. But then he was just kind of present for the Great Hunt, aside from blowing the horn. And so now we're kind of getting like his specific brand of weirdness because. Perrin and Rand have their own brands of weirdness that kind of draw them to being Tavirin, and Matt's was kind of forgotten in the, the dagger aspect, and now he's just kind of, he has a, a much deeper connection to the old tongue than people, I think, yeah. initially thought. And it's just interesting, because 
Yeah, we don't really think of Matt as Taviran. <laughs> Which is really funny. Because we're, we're about to we're about to see Taviran Matt. We're about to see Taviran Matt. And I think that po- probably the Shatter Logoth dagger either counteracted that or that him like getting the dagger was Taviran on its own. True. And that's where he needed his journey to go. So, like he needed to be sick. I don't I have, there's a theory there's a theory that Matt being Taviran is what allowed him to survive the dagger. Okay, yeah. He that used makes sense. up all of his Taviranness while he was carrying the dagger and also blowing the horn of of uh Valir. Valir. Yeah. That um, was pretty Taviran. Yes, that's that's a main character thing to do. Although that's less of a Taviran thing to do and more of just a main character thing. But Taviran is there's main a, character disease. But there's a there's a subtle difference. Well, is there though? Because there like is. because Egwene is Taviran. Egwene is Taviran. <laughs> I still I still maintain I think that also would be on merch of ours. Yes. <laughs> we never did merch. Gwen is Taviran, damn it. Um I still maintain Nynaeve is not Taviran. Nynaeve is just a pure powerhouse of nature. She's just strong. Yeah, I think like out of the seven main characters that we've basically got, Moraine and Lan obviously are not Taviran. I wouldn't call Moraine and Lan main characters. Lynn. Not since Eye of the World. They're in like three chapters of the Great Hunt. <laughs> They go off. Lan is a main character. (laughs) (laughs) They go off to a cottage about a quarter of the way into the Great Hunt, and then we don't see Lan again until the third book. Which is a crime. Yes. <laughs> it's a crime. We have had our Landman Dragorin time stolen from us. Please find Robert Jordan and arrest him. Please don't do that. He's dead. <laughs> anyway, Matt's Taviridness is kind of allowed room to breathe here now. Mm-hmm. One, he's not with Rand, who, as we've kind of learned, Sucks is... Sucks the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, travels through the town and causes a fuckload of weddings. Yep. And, like, like aftershocks weeks after from Rand's passing. Yeah. And so when Rand's around, there's less room for other Taviran to be the main characters that they deserve to be. And But it's just interesting that, like, you know, even setting aside their Taviranness. Each of the three boys, the main characters, you'd think would have their own little weird thing about them that is inherent to them. Right. And up until then, what we've got is Perrin's wolf thing. Yeah. That's inherent to Perrin. An outside object didn't cause that. Right. An outside object didn't cause Rand's channeling. Nope. But the weird thing that was about, that was Matt's character for the first two books was caused by an outside force. Right. And now that he's releasing that outside force, we're getting that inherent weird thing, which is the fact that he can just speak in the old tongue and now also has, has visions, visions of Manetherin. Yeah. And that was something that Suan said was, you know, it sounded almost like he was in two places at once. He was in the past and right. he was here. Some of the old tongue he was giving out were orders in a battle. And that maybe he was somehow in both worlds at once. Right. Like he was seeing the past, but he was also present here. It is. And I think she said that in relation to the I'm a free man. I'm no Aes Sedai meat. It's possible that he was talking. He was watching someone talk to an Aes Sedai, and that's why he said it. Right. Or maybe he was somebody talking to an Aes Sedai. Because when he has visions while he's dreaming, he is. He's a general. Right. Uh, It is very interesting. I. The books run together. There's 14 of them. Right. It's very interesting to see this stuff happen now. I can't. I can't really say much more than that without giving anything away. But it's. And I already have too many Matt spoilers. Yes. (laughs) It's interesting to see this stuff happening now. Um, Matt goes through a journey. Um, Based on the information I have about him, I am very worried. Matt goes through a journey, Uh, (laughs) and 
it's very interesting to see kind of the seeds of some of where that journey goes being laid now. I don't understand why this is happening. Like, I don't have a good explanation as to why Matt is able to see visions of the past, essentially. Mm -hmm. There's no mechanism for it, as far as I know, other than he's Tavirin and the old blood. Yeah. It's interesting. The healing, though, is only half of Matt's story. Matt gets a run-in with everybody's favorite uh, man confuser, Selene, (laughs) a.k.a. Lanfear. Yes. She's not a man-eater. She's just a man confuser. Let's just... Even before she comes in, though, we get some prime (laughs) Matt energy, which is he wakes up. He's trying to figure out what was memory and what was dream. And he Mm. lists off. Yeah, that's actually something that we didn't talk about. He's got holes all through his memory. Well, we're getting to that because, you know, we're talking about his healing. So he's got holes through his memory and he lists off like two lists of things, things that he thinks were possibly a dream and things that he thinks, things that he thinks were real. And like he puts the portal stones and all of those things, the realm of dreams, because he's like, those things don't exist. (laughs) What's a portal stone? What's a portal stone? And then he lists a beautiful woman as something that he thinks is real. And it's like, that was probably a dream. Landfear's been in your dreams. And then he you know, does some thinking. He wakes up and he realizes he's naked. He doesn't put on any clothes. Nope. He just sits there and eats a meal for four per people. Well, he does two things Stark before that. Start naked. <laughs> First, he realizes that he's in Torvalin. Yes. And he's like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go. But first, I'm going to think about what I'm going to do. And instead of putting on clothes or getting ready to go, he just starts like roll. He's given like a huge tray of honestly very delicious sounding like deli meat. Yeah. Just like deli meat and mustard. And he's just like rolling up cuts of meat and like dipping them in mustard and he eats the whole tray naked (laughs) fucking mood (laughs) i'm i don't want to eat a whole tray of food naked but i do want to eat a whole tray of food you don't want to just walk around i have cozy clothes i want to wear them (laughs) yeah it's just such mad energy to like just be like i'm naked i'm not putting on clothes i'm just gonna sit here and eat some meat roll-ups while naked staring out a window to Tarvalin. Yeah. Whereas, like, Rand would have probably been like, I'm going to find some pants. And Perrin would have been like, I'm going to at least wrap a towel and around my waist. Both of them would have been way more rushed to find clothes when Celine walks in. <laughs> Celine walks in, and Matt's aware that he's naked, but he doesn't make, like, frantic moves to put on clothes. No, he's just struck by how beautiful she is. And then she's like, um, would you mind putting on pants? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm naked. Okay. And he just, like, saunters over to the cabinet. He's just not phased. That is probably standing there, uh, let's let's say, raising a flag (laughs) for goddamn Celine. Unless she's too beautiful, it's looped back around. (laughs) We do get um, some finally Matt thinking (laughs) and he wishes uh, Perrin or Rand were there to give him some advice. But honestly, like... He's doing better with Celine than either of them have. Right. We're gonna get advice from Rand about... No. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if anybody's going to give Matt advice about Celine, it would be Rand. But he didn't do all that hot. The only no. reason he the only reason he was pulling game with Celine is because it was actually Lanfear and she's in love with Louis Theron. Yeah. I, 
Rand could just like stab Rand has her cheat in... codes. Yeah, he has cheat codes. He could just like throw acid in her face, and she'd be like, "I'll lose Theron." Yeah. Like <laughs> Perrin though would not not do so well. No. Well, he's been told to run. He has been told to run. That's true. She says that she's in the White Tower for another purpose, which I find. Yeah. What's Lanfear doing there? Yeah. And how do they not know that she's, she's one of the Forsaken? Yeah. She's got some tricks. But like she's just walking around unless they also, think that she's an Aes Sedai, but she's not. Something we are learning here is that the Aes Sedai are maybe not as infallible as they say they are. Why would you admit to be fallible? Right. But even like with Egwene's stuff, the like a sort of undercurrent of all of Egwene's stuff in this whole section has been that the Aes Sedai are kind of just one way of being a champ. At at the very least, there is the Aes Sedai way and the Sean Chan way. Obviously, the Aes Sedai way is not slavery. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the only way to do things. And so, you know, we're kind of exploring, like, Aes Sedai are not always right. Because up to now, the main interactions we've had with Aes Sedai are Moraine in the first book, who was never wrong. There really no. wasn't a spot where she was wrong. She was maybe overwhelmed or overpowered, mm-hmm. but she wasn't wrong. And now we're getting a view of the Aes Sedai being frantic and They're nervous and worried. Swan is worried. And Varen is also worried. We get we'll get touch yeah. on that a little bit when we get back to Egwene. But yeah, the Aes Sedai are not They're people. They're people. They're just like everybody else. Sort of. They're still, you know, witches. Ageless and witches, yeah. They have magic powers. But yeah, so Selene being there, Lanfear being there is maybe not that far off from something that would be possible, even for a mundane channel. Yeah. It certainly helps that whatever Lanfear has going on, she doesn't have the face of an Aes Sedai, because Rand and Matt both would have picked up. There is something about her that is off that made them ask her, because they both asked her, are you an Aes Sedai? Right. I know, I, I thought that was more from the way she spoke, kind of interacted with them. Matt picked up on this way more than Rand did. Matt was very aware that Lanfear was trying to use him. Yes. And he, I think, as successfully as anybody could expect, you know, random farm boy three to six months out from home could, as much as you could expect anybody like that from uh, to do so, he successfully kind of plays what Lanfear said off of the Amaranth, too. Yeah. He does do some interesting navigation of... Because... Lanfear shows up and she's basically like, the eyes that I are going to use you, why not help me and go for glory? Yeah. And I'm going to, and she basically tells Matt, they're probably not going to tell you that your father came to the White Tower. Your mm-hmm. father and Tam came to the White Tower and demanded an audience with the Amberlin to ask where you were, and they just sent him away. And then he later asks... Right, so he turns around. Like One of the first things he asks the Amberlin... Actually, sorry, it's not even one of the first things. The Amberlin does just tell him that his father came. No, I thought he asked. No. He, he kind of remarks in his head, she volunteered that information. She held back the bit about Tam, mm. but she told him about Abel Cotham. I thought that he thought that he had ever, because I thought he commented, I had to pull information out of her. She didn't he, give it up willingly. He did with, I believe, the horn. Okay. I, I'm not quite but sure on the, the specifics. The Amberlin does admit to wanting to use him, and he's like, well, right. at least she admitted to it. Right. The, Swan is definitely pragmatic, and I think Swan, of all the eyes that I so far, Moraine included, 
has the best grasp on how to use the two rivers people. You tell them that you're you, using them. Right, you tell them what you're doing. Because at least they're like, well, I mean, there's nothing I can do to avoid this situation. Like, Matt realizes once she says, like, you're connected to the horn, so unless you die, you have to blow it in the final battle. And he's like, I'll do what I have to, but like, right. but he's also him, just I don't like, want to. He's also just like, you could k- just kill me. And she's like, yeah, if you died, it would be, I would could just do somebody else. But I'm not going to kill you. I right. saved you. Like, right. No. I'm not in the practice of healing somebody just to kill them later. Which kind of makes me wonder, like, if she didn't have to heal Matt, would she have killed it? She probably wouldn't. She's still the Amaralyn. She she deals with the hand that she's dealt. She doesn't try and select her own cards. Yeah. But she just tells him about his dad visit. And she even adds in a little bit of context that Lanefear left out, which is that he showed up before Matt did. And he left. He was sent away. He was sent home with, I think, a good amount of gold. Yeah. Before Matt came back. Because they're so, like, we didn't know where you were. Right. We didn't we, know where you were. We, just, we didn't know and that's if you were we okay. We, right. It's like, we don't know. We don't know where he is. We don't know if he's alive. And for like for an Aes Sedai, she speaks, and Liana too, who was also there, speaks very plainly, like in kind of straightforward sentences. Yeah. It's interesting because especially with Moraine, you get these like twisting sentences that could have multiple different meanings depending on how you interpret different stressors on each word. Because she's a puppet master. Yeah. Well, Swan is too. But she's, In a very different way. But she's letting you know that she's a puppet master in a way. And she's also... Where Moraine kind of tries to give half-truths and half-answers, and often, I think, successfully and very effectively does, Swan is more on the side of she's going to selectively give and withhold it. Right. If she's giving you information, it's going to be the full information, but if she's... You can trust that what she says is true. You just can't always trust that she's giving you the full picture. Whereas with Moraine, she's very good at figuring out how to lie. Right. And even somebody like Varen, Varen often gets surrounded by just kind of being an airhead. Yeah, she just is like, ah. Yeah. And I think <laughs> with, with some of the Egwene stuff later with Varen, it's kind of, I think it's it's sort of clear that some of that is an act. Especially because there's a, there's an afterward with Varen, where Varen's looking at notes from Corianna and Nadil. It's like, I could have I could have given this to him. I, sh- I maybe should have burned them. And then she distracts herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all, it's definitely not all an act. But some of it is. <laughs> some of it is. But then she's like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> like, she Pretty very much. clearly has ADD. <laughs> yeah. So I think the one last thing with Matt is that Matt is determined to get out of the White Tower as quick as he can. And the Amarillon's like, no. The Amarillon's like, yeah, it might take a year. You have to stay here or else you're going to die. And to be fair, to the Amarillon, a year might be a pretty quick timeline. Their eyes to die. They live for hundreds of years. She's like, you just ate a meal worth of for four people. And you're probably going to do that three times a day for a couple months. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you are going to need to eat a whole lot. And she basically is like, Leanna, go get him some pie. He's he's really talkative. He must be hungry. Get him some pie. And, you know, I want to be taken care of by eyes and I. I want to be given a plate full of meat, and then if I'm talkative, they'll give me pie. Do, though. A little bit. <laughs> That's just such a millennial mood. It's like, oh, you're gonna ha- you're gonna like use me as some sort of puppet. You're gonna feed me though. Okay, I'll take food. <laughs> you want me to do some tooting later? Give me some food. <laughs> That's basically the the deal. The deal is Matt toots on a horde at the last <laughs> battle, and the ice and I give him some food. And she's like, you don't have to stay in the White Tower, but I gave the guards all your information, so they're yeah. not gonna let you leave. Right. You're gonna stay until you get better. He's got the run of Tarvalin, but you can't go outside. Yeah, basically. So that. That's all the kind of, it's not necessarily substantial, but it is impactful, Matt stuff. Yeah. We are definitely, I think, about to get a lot more.
more substantial Matt things. He's freed from the dagger. He definitely has his old personality back. Okay, because there are two things that we did not mention. One, he's thinking through as he's, you know, naked eating his his plate of meat. He thinks that he's probably the only sane person left. And then literally, like, 15 seconds later, he thinks, I wonder if they'll give me the ruby from the dagger. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck, dude? Come on, Matt. Come on. He's like, oh, no, they're probably just going to say it's tainted, too. Yeah! It probably is. (laughs) Goddamn. From goddamn Shadar Logoth. He's like, but I mean, it would be nice to have that kind of of jewels so that I can, like, and when I eventually go home, he's like, I still want to see more of the world. He's still, like, is like, I'm going to go and travel, but I don't want to be here. I'll eventually make it home. Yeah. He's also uh, very confident in his gambling skills because he's like, I have two silvers and a copper. That I can probably make it home with that with, you know, and he, he, like, has uh, his dice cups. He's like, I probably can make it home with that with these. Yeah. Like, all right. All right, Matt. Gambling your way home. He is amazing character. But like, you know, if we take in Showmat, Showmat is not a good gambler. No. No, he <laughs> so... is not. Fascinating. What? Anyway. Do you hard think he's left not turn. actually a good gambler? He just thinks he is. Hard left turn. Let's go to Egwene. Now I'm really curious. Yes, you are. Egwene. What's, what's up with Egwene? She... So she watches Matt's yeah. healing and then... She gets summoned by Varen, who talks... They have a long conversation about those angry all. There's Turing. They, yeah, they have a conversation about dreamers and parallel worlds and the Teleron Riyadh and the Rossel Roselle. It was like oh. some weird... Weird prophecy. Oh, Russell. Uh, that's just somebody from the two, from the uh, Age of Legends. And they, like, read through it, and Varen's like, do you know what it means? And Egwene's like, I don't know, but I don't like the sound of it. And she's like, eh, oh, well. I've been looking at it for 40 years. I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> like, no. Which is just very Varen energy. It like, is. And like, I'm going to ask this child if she might know what it means. Yeah, before we get into what they actually talk about, can we talk about Varen's vibes? I... Love her. She's got like ditzy, dark academia vibes because she doesn't know where anything is. Or she actually, she knows exactly where everything is, but she's kind of a ditz. Yeah. And she has an owl to keep the mice down because the mice eat paper. And a skull? Yeah, the, the owl's just like perching on a skull. And it's not a human skull. It is It doesn't weird. say what kind of skull it is. But Egwene's like, it's not human because it's shaped. Yeah, what is... I don't understand Varen's vibes. Actually, I very much understand Varen's vibes. It's ditzy dark academia. I think I guess. Magic dark academia. Yep. With some ADHD. Uh, some? A lot. A lot of ADHD. A little sprinkle. Varen cannot have a little ADHD as a treat. <laughs> She can have a little neurotypical as a treat. A little bit. Just just a sprinkle. <laughs> just yeah. a dusting. So Varen's got vibes. Varen's got vibes. And she gives Egwene a Turangreal. Yep. And Egwene's like, what the fuck? Why are you giving me a Turangreal? I'm a novice. Because this was immediately before her accepted test. And Varen's, Varen kind of goes into how there hasn't been a dreamer in the White Tower for a long time, which is kind of why Anaya's tests are so inconclusive. Yeah. Because they don't know what they're looking for. Right. Who knows what a dreamer is? No one. The last dreamer in the tower was a woman named Corianna Nadil. And this Turing Grail was hers. Yes. It's a stone ring mm-hmm. that is twisted. It's a Mobius strip. I don't know why it's they very weird. They freak me out. Well, I don't know. there's a good reason for this one to freak you out. We don't know what it does yet. We do know that it has something to do with, as Varen calls it, the 
world of dreams, Teleron Real. And it's in, I love that whole scene too, just because we've got the Varen vibes. But she keeps like, she says something about dreamers and then she goes on and on about the parallel worlds that we see in the portal stones. Yep. And, and she just keeps talking and talking. Gwen's just like, what does this have to do with anything? She's like, oh, it doesn't. And then she talks <laughs> for another paragraph. And then, so Gwen's like, well, then if it doesn't have anything to do with it, then why are you telling me this? She's like, it doesn't have anything to do with it. It has everything to do with it. And it's like, Varen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting exposition segment where it's like, we're getting the exposition as some people actually interpret exposition which is like, why is this happening? Yeah. And Egwene is like, why is this happening? All Varen sections of exposition make so much sense as exposition. Like, if you're going to have a character that just gives exposition, having it be Varen is perfect because everyone around her is like, but why are you telling me this? (laughs) Her and Loyal, they are like the two exposition characters. Yeah, very, very much so. It's a little bit better than Moraine's story time too, which is nice and we got the listen up you backwards fuckers out of but i do also find myself appreciating the Varen story time a little bit more than Moraine's story time yeah because you're just sitting there and you know whenever you're listening to Moraine's story time you're always wondering why is this why am i being told this but the characters that are being told this information are like oh yes Moraine's story time but when Varen's story time comes around everyone's like (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) Varen you crazy old lady (laughs) i just especially love that's what she's got she's got crazy old lady vibes she is she is grandma academia Grandma Academia, <laughs> yes. New vibe unlocked. Grandma Academia. <laughs> we just need to find a Grandpa Academia. I don't know who that would be. Her poor warder. <laughs> Fucking Tomas. Justice <laughs> for Tomas. We still don't know where he is. He's not with them when they're Where's coming back to... When they when they're coming back to Tarvalin, he's still not with them. He's still not in Tarvalin. Where is Tomas? <laughs> I completely forgot about Tomas because of course we did. I forgot about Tomas. Justice for Tomas. I'm so sorry, Tomas. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's talk about what they were actually talking about before we start losing our minds about Tomas. The world of dreams. If we don't lose our minds, it is not. The world of dreams is this kind of interconnecting world that touches every world, but also none of them. Yes. It is apparently linked to the abilities of a dreamer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Corian and Nadil has some notes about Teleran Riad, and Varen warns Egwene that what happens in Teleran Riad, even though it is a dream, is also real, and she kind of displays a scar on her forearm mm-hmm. that she got from using the ring. The ring allows access into Teleronry. And apparently the wound on her arm didn't heal right. Yes. So if you get wounded there, you're wounded in real life. Kind of a bit. Those Never movies. seen them. One of the Fridays? No. I wouldn't know. I don't, I don't know. But what happens in the world of the dreams does not stay in the world of the dreams. It's no, not it Las not. Vegas. It will come back and haunt you. So the ring is supposed to help and dreamers are supposed to have something. We also learn here that um, Varen has notes from Corian and Nadil about the ring and about dreamer abilities that she's holding back from Egwene for some reason. She gives Egwene a whole bunch of notes on all of the eyes that I that left with Leandrin. Yeah. But doesn't give 
give her these notes about how to use the Turing Which is interesting Griol. because I don't think the, the Amerlin never mentioned that Varen was in the know. Yeah, I did find that interesting. So I guess Varen either knows the Amerlin's plan or she's playing her own game or... It's hard to tell with Varen because she's kind of a ditz. Yeah. It's or is, possible. Or is she? Who knows? I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's the point of the podcast. <laughs> Also, side note, it's a nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Good to know, I guess. I had to look it up. I had to know. Anyway, immediately after being given the ring, Egwene is summoned to take her accepted test. She's like, can I like go take a nap first? She's like, can I like drop my stuff off? And Sherry's like, no, not allowed. Come I take this test. I just came from the kitchen. Can I at least go change my dress? And Sherry's like, you're going to have to take it off anyway. So what's the point? Yeah. Like, <laughs> What's some ritual nudity among sisters bound to an arcane order? So I she would... goes to take her test. And... She's worried about the Turangriol because Varen tells her that the tower doesn't know about the Turangriol. And she's worried about the notes because how suspicious is it to be carrying around like, notes about the Black notes Asha. about the Black Asha and a Turangriol that no one knows about? And then she has to disrobe and everything. And Elida yep. is there, and Elida is a bitch. Elida is a bitch. And so she's like, "Oh my God, what if I find it? Like, what if they go through my stuff while I'm doing the doing the test?" Which there, yeah. So she like kind of tucks everything. <laughs> Underneath her gown, kind of like when you go to the doctor and, you you know, you tuck your underwear and your jeans. Yeah. You put everything under the biggest piece of clothing that you have with you so yeah. that the doctor who's about to examine your naked body... Can't see your can't underwear. Can't see your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but it also makes total sense. So she tucks everything under her dress, even though they could easily go through it. Yep. And At this point... Alana mentions that there's something weird going on with the Turing Creole, but... but then once she says it, it stops. So she's like, yeah. I think we, like, we could stop. And they're like, no, she has to right. She has to do it now. The Amberlin's not going to wait. And so she's like, okay. And they kind of like half put it off to like, well, it's not that often that we do two accepted tests at the same, in the same night. Yeah, so maybe uh, that's... Like maybe it's just, Maybe you it's know, just tired. Yeah, the Turing Creole, Turing Creole can be tired. And so she goes through her tests, yep. which we can talk about in a second, but I do, as we're on the Turing Real topic, sure. something goes wrong with the test. Something goes wrong with the test. And Egwene almost dies, basically. Basically. Because there's her last, and, you know, as I was reading, like, the last test, the last section, the, like, the what will be section of her test goes on a lot longer than the rest of all. Yeah, Nynaeve's was not very quick. And, but also, like, that section was long than the previous two sections. And so lot. I was like, there is something going on that's keeping her stuck here. Yeah. Because she doesn't even see the archway. Whereas Nynaeve saw the archway and just almost ignored it. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't, she doesn't see the archway for a last time. And then she gets out and we realize that there was something wrong going with the test. And Alana feels awful and she offers to um, help Egwene in the kitchen. Yep. Which I like to show. Yeah. And so I'm interested. I am interested. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see what they do with Sho and Lana for sure, because they've given her a lot more backstory than we get for her in the books. Um, I loved her in the show. So I'm kind of I'm I'm really hoping that whatever they did in the show doesn't like whatever happens in the books doesn't make me hate her in the show. Like, I hope they didn't, I hope the show didn't make me love her for the book to make me go, what the fuck? Oh, man. Yikes. Anyway, uh, Alana... She's Black Aja, isn't she? I am making no comments that could be construed as spoilers. But, so she goes on and talks about, like, it's just so weird because the only time this ever happened before 
with any Turangriol was when we tried to use a Turangriol in the room where there was another Turangriol that was related to that one. So, like, yeah. if the two, I'm, I'm assuming that based on that, if, like, one Turangriol was not related to another, you could equal, you could easily use them in the same room and nothing bad will happen. Yeah. But something about the, st- the arches and Egwene's Turangriol link. Right. And if her Turangriol can help her get to Teleron Riyadh, then what are these portals? Yeah, very, very good. And I think that question leads to a bit of another question, which is, if the arches and the ring are related, what effect do Egwene's abilities as a dreamer have on her testing? Yes. Because we've only seen Nynaeve's testing, and Nynaeve's testing had very different topics each bit, each one had different things. The past was about her confrontation with Agenor. The present was about... Uh, Having to walk away from her being a with, wisdom. Yeah, was her being the wisdom or her coming back after leaving, rather. And then the future was having to give up land. And they were all very different things, and they were all very kind of personal to Nynaeve. Whereas Egwene's are all about rain. And they're a lot less personal to her, although they're not not personal. Like, the one in the past, you know, she has to give up this idea of her being married to Rand and yeah. being in the two rivers. I want to come back to that. But yes, th- that that one didn't really feel any different. That that feels like something that both Egwene and Rand have kind of been grappling with since they left. Which is that we aren't going to be living the lives that we thought we would. We right. aren't going to get married and live in the two rivers and have a daughter. Right. But then the second and third tests are where it gets weirder and weirder yet. Where the second one, they're just kind of in Camelin. A destroyed Camelin. Which is so weird. Like, the future one also makes a little bit of sense because we get information about... We do. But the second, the what is present doesn't make any sense in relation to Egwene. No, she's in Camelin. Rand is there. There's, like, lightning... And there's rubble and Murdral and Trollocs and she's running from them and she finds Rand trapped under a bunch of rubble and she's like, I don't think I can channel enough to get you out of here. And he's like, I think I can, but I don't trust myself. Just stab me. Just kill me. Just kill me. Because he doesn't want them to turn him. And after this test, she asks, can some can somebody actually be turned to the shadow? Yes, because that's what he's very worried that the Murdrawler are going to be able to turn him to the shadow and that she should kill him before that happens. Right. And so she comes out of it and she's just like spewing about her her vision. And Sherriam's just like, supposed to talk about what we see in there. Just continue on to the next test. And then Nguyen's like, no, I need to know. Like, can someone be turned to the shadow? Forcibly. Right. And this is where maybe the only weakness of being a channeler comes in. Channelers and channelers alone can be turned to the shadow by 13 dreadlords, dark friends who can channel, and 13 merchants. Coincidentally, that is the number of women who left the White Tower. Bitch. Yep, Leandrin is the worst. It's very true. So she has this information going into her third vision, which starts off just weird because she's weirdly disconnected from it. And she realizes that she is, which is something that it has in common with Nynaeve's, where she also realized that what was happening wasn't real. Except it's way more acute with Egwene. It is. Where Egwene is getting, especially towards the end of the vision, we know that Egwene is getting flashes of what's actually happening. Outside. She's getting like snippets of conversations and she's getting snippets of conversations throughout. It's just not really clear what it is. But I'm just talking about like the general theme of real 
realizing that something doesn't feel right. Like when you're in a dream and you know that you're in a dream. Yeah, and both of them have that, which right. makes me wonder, is this just, is this how Ever perceives this? Is it is the point of it that you realize you're in a dream and the fact that oh. you know you're in a dream, but you have, you choose to walk from it anyway? It could also be repeated exposure. By the, by the time they get to the third one, they've been through it twice before. And they're very emotionally intense and charged experiences. So I think, you know, you're more likely to realize that something's off. Egwene, though, is... She's she has moments where she's like I'm the Amerlin and I she looks to her keeper mm-hmm. and sees the green uh, shawl yeah and realizes okay then that means that I had to come green but why do I not know this why did I have to figure this out why don't right. I, I should I just know I this. just should just know this and it kind of like sets in her mind where she does know it after that but there's several instances where she's like why don't I know this. Right. Why am I having to puzzle this together? I should just know this because I'm here, right? Right. And it gets kind of worse and worse and worse until the end where basically she's like fully out of sync with both because both are happening to her. She's hearing, she's like watching Rand get gentle and really wanting to help him, but also hearing and experiencing the Aes Sedai in the real world trying to get her. Because they're like, we can't, we have to keep it open. Something is going wrong. We can't leave her in there. Right. She like if if she gets left in there, that's her choice, not ours. Like <laughs> Right. And she gets out and it seemingly she's fine when she's out there, but they're very worried that she you know burned out or got stilled or got grievously harmed. Yeah. Shiriam delves her and finds out that she's fine. And the the Amberlin even, like all of them, aside from Elida, who remains a bitch, they're all shocked and like way more you can tell that they've been put off balance because they're all very much more forthcoming with what happened than you would expect an Aes to be based on what we've seen. Yeah, they are very upfront about what happened, which is dang. Um, just a quick summary of like what actually happened in that last one. So she's the Amberlin seat. She was from the Green Aja. There was something called the Great Purge, in which they purged all of the Black Aja. She goes, Rand is there to be gentled. And she hesitates, and then her keeper bonks her over the head. Right. She wakes up naked. Yeah. Why are they always naked? She best wakes, not to ask these questions. She wakes up naked, and there is 13 Aes Sedai attempting yep. to turn her to the shadow. She escapes, and she's she runs into her keeper, who was still. And that's yep. why she helped, because she, the Black Aja promised her that they might be able to get her power back, that the dark, right. that the dark would give her power back. And then she runs to the trainer's court. And that's where Rand is. Yeah. Oddly enough, though, she she remembers that she never took the oaths. How? How does one get to be the Amazon seat and never have taken the oaths? Who knows? Or is that current Egwene going, well, I'm not an Aes Sedai yet, so I haven't taken the oaths. I can do what I want. It's really unclear. Like, is it that that, is it that, you know, Egwene 1 hasn't taken the oaths, and so right. she is just in Egwene 5's pers- body, and so she's like, well, Egwene 1 hasn't taken the oaths, so I'm good. Or has Amerlin Egwene not taken the not oaths, taken the oaths yeah. and how does one become the Amerlin and not right. take the oaths? Also, Elida's there and usurped Egwene. <laughs> yep, because Elida's a bitch. Yes. This was... Not as bad as Leandrin. Yet, because we have no confirmation that Elida is actually Black Asha. No, do you think Elida is Black Asha? I don't know. Or is she just the worst? I think she's just... If she's not Black Asha, I honestly think that makes her worse than Indrin. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hot take. (laughs) But okay. Because it's like, it's my reasoning for 
like I hate Dumbledore more than I hate Voldemort because like Voldemort's supposed to be evil. Okay. He's Lord Voldemort. The Black Aja is supposed to be evil. If Leandrin, okay. so Leandrin's Black Aja, she's supposed to be. So she, you expect her to be the worst, and therefore by being the worst, she just meets expectations. Sure. If Elida is not Black Aja and she's still this massive a bitch, she's choosing to she's be choosing the worst. She's choosing to be the worst, and that's worse. Okay, I can accept that. So one thing I want to, I, I want to get back to the first one a little bit, but one thing I want to talk about with this last one is I think this this last vision is where her, like her, whatever she has that interacts with the dream world, I think is the most evident where she's not really sure where in time she is. She's not. And here it's where the middle one is where it starts to be, the question starts to be raised, like, why are all of these about Rand? This is a way. Here it's like, okay, clearly she's seeing stuff about Rand because she needs to be seeing stuff about Rand and not about her. It's almost like information gathering. And it makes me wonder, like, is this even a valid accepted test? True, because she didn't really give up what, like, especially the last one, she's Amarillin. She... In giving up what could be, she'd be giving up part of being an Aes Sedat. Right. So it doesn't necessarily make a whole bunch of sense for her to have to do that as an accepted. But I think it's just like in each one, you know, she does have to walk away from something that she would want. Like she walks away from being married to Rand. And then the second one, she walks away trying to help Rand. Right. And then the third one, she also does that and she has to. But yeah, it's just interesting that like she sees the vision of her being Amarlin, which is something that you would think all eyes that I would aspire to be. Yeah. It, Except for maybe Farron. No, she just wants her books. But yeah, it just there's parts of it that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Which makes me think like It's it's very interesting reading this the second or not the second time, but reading this again it, sort of in chunks and not just continue through because there's a lot of interesting stuff in these visions that isn't there for the other accepted test. That's all I can safely say on it. I'm a little upset that we didn't get to see Elaine's. Yeah. I, clear, like, Elaine's past may not have been as interesting because we don't know that much past. Her present probably would be very interesting, and her future, I think, would be the most But she's very clearly upset about it when we get to her, and we'll get to that in just a second. We just have to talk a little bit about how much of a bitch Elida in more time. Yes, and I do want to talk about the first vision that Egwene had. I think after we sum up, because I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. You want to talk about with that, and yeah. it's not all book related so elida is a bitch yep and she just goes up to elaine everyone's or ever she goes up to Egwene, and everyone is super worried about Egwene. and elida just strolls in calls her a wilder and says that she doesn't deserve to be here and then walks out yep it's like dude just like get a little bit of chill and like she says some stuff and someone says to her like you're the one who asked to be here because you wanted to preside over elaine's so you have right. to be the same to Egwene. right like, what are you if you didn't want to be here why are you here right is it just because you want to stalk elaine like basically and then you know everyone fusses over her and she goes to Nynaeve's as one does you gotta go see mom yeah and Elaine's just like in tears in Nynaeve's lap sobbing sobbing Nynaeve is crying as she comforts yeah. Elaine she's just like what the fuck happened to Elaine or is Nynaeve just upset 
Because, like, I don't know that Elaine necessarily said anything if she was sobbing that hard. It's true. She might not be able to understand anything she said. True. And maybe, you know, Nynaeve's just comforting her, like, it's okay, we'll get them. Like, yeah. very much like saying her own mantra of, to herself of, yeah. we will destroy the eyes that eye from the inside out. Which is, I think, Nynaeve's goal. <laughs> be interesting to see how that turns out. And then Egwene comes in, and she also breaks down. <laughs> She's yep. like, nope, I'm also Everybody's... gonna put my, everyone's head is in Nynaeve's lap. Yep. And Nynaeve's just, like, petting both their heads and crying. Yep. Everyone's crying. <laughs> and she's just sad. Accepted tests are, hi, would you like to be an Aes Sedai? Here's some trauma. Would you like some trauma with that ring? I guess they would. We don't know what the, what the test is to be an actual full Aes Sedai is. This is just to be an accepted. And it's interesting because you're not supposed to channel during your accepted test. And we do know, at least, that you're supposed to channel during your yeah. Aes Sedai test. Which is why Nynaeve is not an eyes today. Right. Because the Amarillin is like, I don't trust you to be able to regularly channel properly, which I mean, kind of fair because she can't. Nope. So I want to go back and talk a little bit about the first of Egwene's visions. Yes. Where she is with Rand at a farm in the two in the two rivers. They're having a nice life. Rand is talking about Joya, their daughter. And I liked that in the show, they took this. I couldn't talk about it in when we did the show episode because we hadn't read this bit yet. But I liked that they took this bit and put it at the end at the Battle of the Eye in season. Yeah, I liked that we get to see this because we're not I'm not sure if we're going to actually be able to see Egwene's accepted test. Maybe they'll make it something different. I don't know. Because Egwene's path might be a little bit different. Yeah, it doesn't have to be yet. But I think it, with the order of the way they're doing things in the show, it's going to end up being a little bit different because we're seeing... Egwene hasn't really gone to the tower and isn't, isn't a novice yet, but That's Rand true. has already run off and is going to be doing Dragon Reborn stuff in season two. That's true. So he's going to be, you know, sad boy hours. <laughs> so, yes. And so Egwene hasn't gotten, it's just things are going to be out of order for the show. This is not a show episode, but yeah, I did think it was interesting that they took. I liked and it. I, and they I both recognized had, it and it was interesting and they, they kind and of both had the same result because that one was definitely the easiest for her to give up because she was just like, this is what I wanted. This is not yeah and I, I found it very interesting that they they came to the same conclusion like clearly they drew from this a whole hell of a lot in the show and i, I appreciate that I, I i really liked that and i think it made the conclude the battle at the eye a little bit more coherent to the story as a whole yes the world battle book was i mean i miss i miss space or not space sky sword battle because i i think we missed just, it was just nonsense it, it was, was nonsense. complete and utter nonsense and it made no sense yeah there are bits from the con- from the conflict at the eye that i wish that they had absolutely kept the actual like one for one nature of it is not one of those things i liked that they that they used this although it does make me wonder what they're going to if they're doing a glane's accepted test in the show they could just sidestep it entirely yeah. that's a possibility i don't think they will i don't Although it would be a little weird for them to do Nynaeve and Egwene going through it. Nynaeve's is more compelling. Nynaeve's is way more compelling. Egwene's, I think, be summarized with... Egwene's could be replaced by a dream sequence. Yeah, could be replaced by a dream sequence. And I think, honestly, even, like, in the show, it would be interesting to also see her have the same dream about the same exact down to the... Yeah. Because then it would also play into this thing, which I have a theory. Like, are these moments in the stone visions, or are they versions of... Are they, like, a portal stone? 
so was is Nynaeve actually married to Lan in some other version of the world? Right. And could she have stayed there? Could she have stayed there and lived out her life? Yep. Or is it just a dream? And if she stayed there, that meant death. Like, are these right. are these actual parallel worlds? And if they are, then it would kind of make sense for both. Rand Egwene saying about the same daughter because right. then it is just another parallel world. Yeah. Again, about weird accepted test things. Not a direct answer. Theories that a parallel world, but I don't know if it's actually a parallel world. I don't know that they could actually stay there, but it might be kind of like the portal where Rand was able to see all of these ones yeah. and kind of live it through, but he was still standing there in one world. Yeah. Okay. I, I think they're I think they're related. Learn... Because. I will say that we learn a whole lot more about Teleron. And I think once I learn more about Teleron Riyadh, I will be able to figure it better figure it out. But the fact that these two Turangriels interacted with each other means that they're linked. So some of the rules that play into the Turangriel that Egwene has that helps her get to Teleron Riyadh would hold up in the would arches. Would hold up in the arches. Not yeah. all of them because they're not the same. Right. But they're linked in some way. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. I This section is I, I feel like this section is really where the Dragon Reborn, uh, it, we've hit the point where it's like, okay, we're done necess- we're done with most of like the setup for the plot. And like the recap. And Right. And now we're starting to roll down the Yeah. In a much more measured way where, and then the Eye of the World or the Great Hunt where both of those books was like climbing up a mountain and then falling down it. And this is a much more steady build up and I, I know this book and there's still more build up to be done, but it's much less, you know, planning for the future, planning for the future, planning for the future. Okay, now it's happening. It's more, okay, things are happening while other things are getting built up. Yeah. Uh, Egwene's an accepted. Matt's healed. Perrin's chasing Rand. Rand is going to the stone. Like, there's all these different storylines that are starting to not necessarily converge. Min is on her way to the tower. Right. The world is moving. And it felt like for the Eye of the World and the Great Hunt, although the world didn't feel like it necessarily only existed around the main characters, because that's a a strength of Robert Jordan's writing is that it doesn't feel like the world is limited to the perspective you're in. It did feel like the rest of the world was standing still. And I think that it's because in both The Eye of the World and The Great Hunt, there was one plot. There was one plot and the dragon had not revealed himself. The end of The Great Hunt is a huge shift for the series. But just even storytelling wise, if you're looking at an arc, there really is one arc inside those. Yes, we have multiple points of view. And if you ascribe to certain planning mentalities, you would have to have an arc for each of those point of views. And you do to a sense, but they overlap a lot. So like a lot of like the midpoint for a lot of the characters was the same. Whereas we're starting to get with the Dragon Reborn, Egwene's midpoint of her arc in this book is going to be at a different time in the book than Rand's or than Perrin's is. So you've got levels of different arcs. You've got like, if you overlaid them, you'd get like a weird wiggly line because you'd see all of these different ones. So like, You still get that climb up and the rapid down in one person's point of view if you're just looking at that person's arc. Right. But because we've got so many different arcs going on now, it does feel more varied. You don't know when things are going to peak for certain people. So question for you. Last episode, you said that this book felt off or weird somehow. Does it still feel that way? A little less. Probably helps that some of this was supposed to feel. Is I think my jury is, the, the jury is still out on if it feels off or not. And I wasn't really sure why it felt off to begin with. That's fair. But I think I will save judgment for whether the book felt off or not until the end. This section didn't feel off. Right. 
but that doesn't mean that it's done feeling off. Sure. Okay. So that was just, we've, we've covered just about everything. I don't I think, think the, the only thing that we've missed is Egwene kind of straight up asking Alana, what's it like to be green Aja? We get a fantastic like, Alana answer. It's the battle Aja. We stand ready. And also you have to like men. Yeah. Which is where the Alana that I love came in. Yep. Uh, so that, that was all the stuff. Let's do recurring segments. Yes. Weird prophetic auras from men or it just in general prophecies in general uh, we're doing weird prophetic auras we get um a first mention of the red eagle in reference to matt we got a reference of the, red... the, the uh, no it was the first book yeah the only red eagle reference that i remember from he... from the from the great hunt is land giving rand a red eagle pin but in book one rand uh, not rand matt gives out the battle cry but i didn't know that it had anything to do with the red eagle because it wasn't translated so okay. this is the first time okay that i have seen the Red Eagle connected to Matt. Sure. Going back, yes, that he probably did say the exact same words I in that battle I think it's translated cry. in the first book, too. No, it's not. Pretty sure I, it is. No, because I would have written it down that there was a mention because we'd gotten his aura readings by then, and so I would have connected it. Okay. He just says, and I don't even think they actually really say what words. I think Rand's just like, Matt's just speaking in the old tongue. No, it's the it's the battle cry of Manetherin. But they don't translate it. Okay. At least that I was, I noticed and remember. So, sure. from my knowledge, this is the first reference of the Red Eagle actually in connection to Matt. Sure. And then Egwene and the White Flame. Yeah, she had a vision where she was Amarla. Right. And so I feel confident in actually starting to say that, like, maybe this has to do with that vision, not just the fact that she's to be an Aes Sedai. Then she would have seen flame on Elaine and Nynaeve, too. Like, yeah, that's true. So thinking. Yeah. Not not ready to cross them off yet, but... Okay, cool. Uh, there hasn't really been any ship updates. This was not a shippy. No. This was very specific, individual care. Yep. Um, Celine needs to go. <laughs> yeah. Stop preying on these poor boys from the two rivers. Who are thousands of years your junior. Yeah, like, that doesn't, I mean, it's a fantasy, and if it was a fantasy romance, I mean, like, half the time, one of the leads is way older than... Yeah. When it when it comes to immortals, age gaps are, eh, what's happening here? But stop preying on these poor boys who don't know that you're evil. Yup. Like, yep. too pretty. Okay. Stop, stop. All right, favorite moment. I This was a very dark section. It was. And so my favorite moment is Matt wishing Rand and Perrin could count okay. on Celine Because as if Rand had any better luck being suave around no. Celine. No, Celine, did not. in quotes. So I would say that that's my favorite moment, but I think actually with the show out, my favorite moment is Egwene's first vision. That makes sense. That, yeah. that changed it. It's interesting to see what, what they're pulling for. Let's put like, it, that's my favorite moment. I can see that. Alrighty. This was... Episode 4, chapters 18 through 23 of the next episode, chapters. Bye. Bye.